0: Hey everybody, welcome here. I'm Lauren.
1: And I'm Mitchell.
0: And this is the Purpose Kitchen Pod.
1: Okay, so welcome back. Yeah, welcome. This is part two
0: of veganism? Question mark
1: Yeah, what is it? What does it mean? Um, right. So last podcast, we talked about like white veganism and what veganism means to us.
0: Yeah, we wanted to continue this conversation because our last one went on a little long, so we wanted to just split it up into two
1: podcasts. Yeah, so here we go.
0: Enjoy. All right, well, next we have the egg gag
1: laws. What the heck is an egg gag law?
0: Egg gag laws are laws or regulations that are designed to protect the agricultural industry. So the first part of the word egg refers to agriculture. And to gag someone means to prevent speech by using force. So that's the action would be the
1: gag. And so some of the impacts of these are are basically punishing whistleblowers or activists who try to expose animal farming cruelty. Um, which includes people who go undercover, activists trying to give animals food or water during transport.
0: A cool person that could, you could follow on Instagram if you want. She's from Vancouver. Erin Ireland is her name. She is a huge animal activist. She she goes to the factories, like the factory farming farms. And she, they a group of them will wait outside of the farm for these trucks to come out. And then they come out and if they are allowed to, they feed the, the pigs or the cows that are in the truck as well as like give them water and stuff. And she often posts this stuff on her Instagram stories, which is kinda cool.
1: Yeah. And so egg egg laws, um, make it so that Aaron Island could be arrested, possibly um, face jail time and uh or fines. Right. So
0: yeah, so the impact of egg egg laws mean the whistleblowers, activists, and journalists could be fined for giving water to dehydrated animals or filming undercover inside those slaughterhouses. Something to look out for in any bill or policy is the impact of the stated intention. Keep in mind that our correctional system operates on punishing the impact, not the intention of an act. If you end up harming someone but have good intentions, the law punishes the impact, not the intention. So what happens is that animals are, are traveling in these giant trucks at times in below freezing temperatures. I've heard of stories of their hooves freezing to the ground like to the, to the trucks so that they have to like pull them off and stuff. it's so awful. Or yeah, or extreme heat temperatures. There are activists who hydrate and nourish these animals during transport, but these egg egg laws are now trying to terminate these activists.
1: Yeah, and these are pretty popular in the States egg egg laws. There's like bunch of states that have them. There's also like other things like cheeseburger laws, which we can get into another time. But definitely look those up because those are kind of crazy too. But people who are like about about egg egg laws would say that the intention is to protect the animals from unwanted diseases or restricted food ingredients that might be inside of the water or the food that activists are feeding the animals. Um, people would argue that egg egg laws ensure animals are taken care of humanely and safely, and of course they serve and protect the agriculture and animal farming industry. Um, So basically this is important. Egg egg laws are important to the industry because what happens is that when people see the process of how their meat gets to their plate, they typically eat less meat. This is bad business, bad for the industry. Um, And because agriculture and animal farming is a subsidized industry, the government has a stake in the success of animal products. Here in Manitoba, we have something that's supposed to look after animals, in case you didn't know.
0: In Manitoba, we have the Animal Care Act, and it says that no person shall inflict upon an animal acute suffering, serious injury or harm, or extreme anxiety or distress that significantly impairs its health or well-being.
1: Yeah, and that's a, a direct quote from from the Act. It sounds great. Yeah. It sounds like that sounds good. Right. But then
0: the following subsection reads subsection one does not apply where the suffering, injury, harm, anxiety or distress is caused by a treatment process or condition that occurs in the course of an accepted activity. Following this is a list of accepted activities, which includes but is not limited to things like the agricultural, the agricultural uses of animals, exhibitions and fairs, zoological displays, animal slaughter, animal discipline and training. So, yeah, this, this quote sounds great. Yeah, we love animals. They, no person can inflict any harm or anxiety or distress on these animals. But... Except... Unless you are in any of those categories.
1: Yeah, and this is where it gets kind of crazy. So the Act says that there is accepted activities. Um, and then you might be like, well, these accepted activities, they must have something, um, rules and criteria that make sure animals aren't being hurt. Uh, and there is there is a a really super clear rule, and that is um, accepted activities must be in line with generally accepted practices. So it seems a little bit um, seems a little bit ambiguous. What are the generally accepted practices?
0: Kiwi, but we should. I just wanted to say
1: something about this. Oh yeah, yeah. Say what you got to say.
0: I just think it's funny that they say that they don't want to do any of these terrible things to animals unless unless they're in all those categories. But what other categories are there with animals?
1: The thing is, the list is longer than that, too. Right. So it's like, there's more.
0: Yeah, so I would love to know what's on that list of theirs that they wouldn't cause any distress, anxiety, and uh, pain towards these animals. Like, in what instance is, is that?
1: That's what they're saying. It never is okay unless it's in this one's.
0: Right, but in what case... Is it okay then? Do you know what I mean? What do you mean? And this is so, there's so many different cases here. Like if you think of animals, chances are they fit into one of these categories. Say more. So they're saying that they they don't think it's okay to cause harm on any animal, cause any stress, any injuries on any animal. But if you're in this category, they can cause stress and they can cause harm to the animal.
1: Yeah, as long as it's in generally accepted practice.
0: Right, so I'm wondering, what is it? What is not generally accepted practice?
1: I think that's a super good question. I think that's intentional.
0: So, if everyone is generally practicing harm, it doesn't function to protect the animals. How this operates is that farmers dictate the general practice, so saying a law is contingent on a practice that is defined by the very same people who profit from the practice is a conflict of interest. There really is no real system of checks to ensure animals aren't experiencing any cruelty.
1: I think you're totally right. Really? Yeah, I think that that's something that's really important to think about. Like, okay, so you can only do these things that fall into this list. Um, And if it's on this list, you can't cause harm or anxiety unless it occurs in the course of an accepted activity. Like you said, like if everyone is not practicing care and not practicing ensuring the well-being of animals then right It basic all of this basically means nothing
0: yeah and i think that these accepted activities are so broad if you walked into a humane society with dogs and cats and bunnies and whatever all these pets that you can take home is that excluded from this bubble i guess so right
1: what are you getting at
0: They're saying you cannot cause harm or suffering or distress on an animal unless they're in these profitable
1: categories. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way of of looking at it to say, like, what's the common denominator in all of these exceptions? And I think that's a good point. All of these things make money. Agriculture makes money. Exhibitions and fairs are for profit. Animal slaughter makes money. Animal discipline and training also is an industry.
0: It's pretty crazy. And it's the government that is creating these different laws and it's the government who has their hands in the pot in all of these. They have them in the zoos.
1: Whoa, I didn't know that.
0: All right, so for an example, the Toronto Zoo is owned by the city of Toronto.
1: So I think what we're trying to get at is the whole aspect of care and uh, cruelty-free, basically, zoos and making sure that There really is no exception to um, being cruel to any living thing. This past year, I guess, or last year, 2020, uh, something happened that was a little bit of, of, whoa, excuse me, cause for concern in Manitoba that happened at our landfill that we actually learned. We heard about first from Little Red Barn Animal Sanctuary. Great place.
0: Yeah. If you're in Winnipeg, it's in Charleswood. You can find them on Instagram, and you can just DM them and ask them if they would have you for a tour. And we went this summer, and it was so, so, so awesome.
1: It was really awesome. We got some, like, really cool pictures. We met some really great animals. I don't know. There was this little goat. Just that guy. Stole Mitchell's heart. He really did. He Got me. I brought my camera, and, like, I probably walked away. Okay, too many pictures, first of all. But I would say probably honestly, probably over half were of this little goat, the cutest goat. Like I was, my heart melted. Um, also, I never thought cows could be cute. and then I saw a cow and I was like, okay, well, it's kind of cute. Oh my
0: gosh, Daisy, they have they had this cow, Daisy at the farm and she was the cutest. But now they've actually got, I think they've gotten a bunch more cows. When we were there, they only had the one. Yeah, so they're growing. Really quickly.
1: And they got these pigs and Lauren fed them a watermelon and you get to like smash the watermelons.
0: Yeah. when you see the animal up close and personal, it changes the way I think you think and you feel when you think of their meat on your plate. Because now you've created a connection with that animal. So I think it would benefit anyone to go.
1: Yeah. And that's why we've even seen, right, there's people who uh, raise pigs and they'll connect with one pig and then they'll be like i'm not gonna eat this one because this one was kind of my homie you know so i'm gonna they're not eat it um but yeah i think it's a lot different when you when you're having steak to not think of it as like oh this is steak but to be like oh this was daisy um (laughs) yeah it it definitely it definitely changes the meal um and not for everybody some people it seems you know can really detach themselves from that um but anyways All of that's kind of an aside. When we were there, they told us this crazy stuff that happened at the Brady Landfill. So we checked it out. The story is true.
0: Yeah. So what happens a lot of times in these factory farms when chickens don't lay eggs anymore, they just end up in our landfill.
1: Yeah. So in this Animal Care Act, it says animals have to be confirmed as dead after being gassed with CO2 before they can be disposed of. um, And in this case, disposed of in the landfill which is also not super great. This is also known as depopulating, which sounds like actually kind of a decently humane way to kill an animal. But last year in Manitoba, chickens were found alive at the Brady landfill by the Good Place Farm and Rescue Sanctuary. Um, so basically when it when housing live chickens cost more money than the chickens produce, they gas them and kill them. Um, and this was also like everything was impacted by COVID-19.
0: Yeah, when restaurants shut down, there was less demand for eggs, meaning that it was more expensive for farmers to house these chickens than to just get rid of them. So that is what they did.
1: So they, the good place, they took them and they, you know, lived happily ever after. Maybe not. I don't know what happened to them. But for that brief moment, you know, we're saved. Yeah, so one thing that's kind of interesting is that they kind of argue that They don't know what's in the water activists are feeding animals, which is ironic on a lot of levels.
0: Yeah, it is ironic because almost three-fourths of previous and current diseases were transmitted from the animal kingdom. Typhoid fever is from domesticated chickens, whooping cough from pigs, influenza from ducks. All of these come from pathogens transmitted from animals for the purpose of food. H1N1, previously known as the swine flu, was changed because the name swine flu was hurting the pork industry. The pork industry claimed that pigs were not the sole reason for the flu, but a peer-reviewed study found in the June issue of a journal called Nature claims that the disease did originate
1: in swine. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how big industry can change the narrative of things like diseases. Um, And obviously, COVID-19 is from the animal kingdom. Yeah, not that not to villainize also anyone eating an animal, right? That's a part of like liberation for all living things. For some people, that's a part of their culture and your culture is your story and being able to exercise your culture is, is a part of living uh, a life well-lived. So there's all those kind of things at play. But yeah, I think it's kind of interesting the ways that industry impacts our narrative. All right, well, let's wrap it up. This We kind of wanted to end it in just saying like, Um, So when bills pop up that seek to make it illegal to protest animal cruelty or illegal to hinder the development of infrastructure, it functions to restrict the accountability of the industries that benefit from those laws. Um, So not recognizing the law of the oppressor is essentially protesting. Yeah. Protesting is important. And you don't always agree with protests. We were at the Forks and heard a protest that, (laughs) that we didn't agree with. Something that was funny about this protest is like, We were walking by and it was a group of uh, anti-maskers doing their anti-mask thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were walking by and they were like, here's the list of a handful of countries and people that are with us. And so we were kind of expecting a handful of names.
0: They literally listed every country. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mitchell and I were like, oh my gosh, are they listing yeah. every country?
1: Yeah, Algeria, Zimbabwe, Albania.
0: They're all here with us today. I was like, what?
1: It was also the smallest protest I've probably ever seen.
0: Yeah, they were really into it, though. And they went for a long time. Like, Mitchell and I went to the Forks, ate our lunch, went for a walk, and then, like, walked back, and they were still going.
1: Same so. same person, too.
0: Same girl. She was,
1: she was fired up. She was fired she up. She wanted us to, to defund the media she wanted us to what did she say about our minds
0: I wasn't really listening because
1: yeah we we wanted to see what it was about but we didn't want to get too close we didn't want people to be like to think we were in how do we want to wrap this up
0: yeah I think if you're going to take anything away from this podcast it is yes that everyone should have the right to protest and speak their mind speak their truth and I think that if you say that you are vegan you are for all living things no matter who or what they are
1: yeah wow nice one so wise (laughs) so wise.
0: but yeah i think that that um that wraps up our podcast in one sentence if you say that you are vegan you need to be on the front line for all living things
1: yep especially the ones that are treated as if they matter less than others right
0: and the most vulnerable people
1: Yep, you're like who is the most marginalized? Let's lift those people up, or those living things up. Yeah. How can we How can we improve their well being?
0: Yeah, and I think if you want to learn more, um, yeah, James Aspie is definitely an awesome resource to go to and um, learn from. He didn't speak for an entire year for the. Uh, to raise awareness for the animals because the animals have no voice so he felt he should have no voice so i really think that if you want to learn more um he is a great resource that you can go to his instagram and check it
1: out awesome
0: and if you didn't like this podcast call us in don't call us out
1: yeah just be hey i didn't like it and let's talk about it yeah as friends Or, like, at least... Civil conversation. People who respect each other.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. If you listen to this podcast, thank you so much. Thank you. Let us know that if you are listening, uh, we'd so greatly appreciate it. Um, And we will talk to you guys next week.
1: See you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.